sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The Yankees and Rays are headed to a showdown in the American League Division Series in a bubble in California. We have a Thursday night football game on tap today between two teams that you probably couldn't pay anybody to watch. And you have another two teams in the NFL that are going to be having to watch from the sidelines coming up this weekend. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. For the next two hours, we got you covered here on Fantasy Sports Today. And certainly, Joe, a very exciting day of baseball yesterday. We'll have another exciting day of baseball today. And fantasy football is back here on Thursday night with a game that nobody could have expected, no one is looking forward to. So we're certainly hoping that the projections of this game go better than what are expected. Yes, and, and what a wordsmith you are to open this show. What a lovely opening there from Craig Mish. But yes, indeed, Thursday Night Football is not very thrilling. And I do understand that the last couple of weeks, a lot of folks were saying, hey, these aren't the greatest matchups in the world. However... I would say that uh, those two games were actually pretty entertaining. I don't have the same sort of cautious optimism for this game with the Jets and Broncos tonight. I just don't have it. So that being said, probably a better time to focus on some baseball playoffs because yesterday you had so much baseball. If you are an MLB fan, my goodness, what a glorious day. 5,000 games and a lot to unpack. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and we're going to get to all of the baseball, of course, here and go through all of the outcomes of that. We have our fantasy standouts from last night, for sure. But our top story, as we lead off today, before we get to all of our headlines, is at this stage, we know that the Titans and Steelers will not play Sunday, they will not play Monday, and they will not play Tuesday. You know why? Because if you test positive for COVID every day for three days, you can't play a football game. So there is no game. It's not that difficult to understand. Oh, no, but maybe they can play Wednesday at 3 p.m. Why? There's a, it's a 16-game season. It'll be fine. The only team affected right now by this is the Tennessee Titans. And we'll get through it, and it'll be okay. But why is anyone trying to force this game on Monday or Tuesday? It is beyond me. Don't understand it, but happy that uh, that senses were cleared on this one because they can easily shift the bye weeks around and end up playing either week seven or week eight. Let's go through the rest of the headlines here and take a look at what happened in uh, in sports yesterday, certainly from a fantasy perspective. Oh, boy. Uh, Miami Heat did not look good in game one of the NBA Finals. They got pummeled. They had a couple of injuries in the game as well. One that looks like it could be serious, another one that may not be, but Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic both left the game early. And not good news, unfortunately, for the Heat. Uh, Atlanta Braves, good news for them. Boy, everyone picking the Reds in this series, you know, simply forgot that the Braves have the best player in the National League this year in Freddie Freeman. He led them to a one to nothing win in 13 innings, and all of a sudden the pressure back on the Reds to win today. Astros advance to the next round. The Twins have now lost 18 straight postseason games. Disappointing for the Minnesota Twins. Two years in a row, really good teams and absolutely nothing to show for it. Starling Marte of the Marlins fractured his pinky after getting hit by a pitch yesterday in the Marlins' 5-1 to win. They'll play again today, I believe without him, and regardless of which, they'll have Sixto Sanchez on the mound against you, Darvish. The Cubs are a huge favorite today. 
We'll see if the Marlins can close this out or if it goes to a Game 3. Speaking of which, Game 3 today between the Oakland A's and Chicago White Sox. The A's just announced about 10 minutes ago will not be Sean Manai. It'll be Mike Fires making the start today, which is the right call. Are they nuts starting a lefty against the White Sox? Can't do that. Dane Dunning will start for Chicago. The Rays eliminate the Jays. Jays never had a shot. Uh, Cardinals beat the Padres in Game 1. Dodgers win in Game 1 as well. And the Yankees come back a couple different times, Joe, in the game last night. About a seven-hour game between the Yankees and Indians <laughs> as, uh, as the Yankees end up going to the postseason. So really disappointing for Cleveland. And and I suppose if this is the way the Yankees are going to hit, then all of a sudden they, come, they become formidable against Tampa Bay. Uh, for some reason, they didn't hit the last two weeks of the season. The lights went on in the postseason, and all of a sudden, here they are. Yeah, the lights went on for the Yankees. The lights went on for the Astros. And as we kind of were touching on the other day heading into the playoffs, it's a new season. It's a fresh start. And I think teams like the Yankees and teams like the Astros really desperately needed it. I do not think either was very happy with how the season went. And I think if you look at the playoff picture from yesterday, it's pretty daunting when you consider the the Rays can throw two big-time pitchers at you like Glasnow and Snell. That's a huge thing. The Yankees can beat you one nothing when Garrett Cole is throwing bullets out there and striking out 13 guys. Or they can beat you 10-9 because the kind of offense they have when Stanton, Judge, and all those kind of characters are all healthy. Urshela obviously had a huge moment yesterday in the game, too, and he had missed some time with injury as well. And then you have the Astros, who... You know, went all in on game one, and it looks like it was the right decision, and they bounced the Twins, who continue to struggle in the playoffs. So a lot to, you know, kind of look forward to and realize that this is a new season. It is a fresh start, and I don't want to count the Reds out just yet. I know a lot of people are. I think they are more than capable in these next two games because, look, Max Freed was the best pitcher that they could possibly throw out there, and they clearly won that game, right? Went to extra innings, all of that. I think the Reds can show up there with Gray, with Castillo, and go out there and win back-to-back games. I do not think they are done quite yet, so we'll see what happens today. Yeah, looking forward to seeing a lot of Game 3s, deciding games is the best part of sports for sure. We'll touch on all of that when we come back next because we're going to go through our fantasy standouts in both the American League wildcard and National League wildcard. And then basically from there on out, it's all fantasy football discussion for the rest of our show. For two hours, we're going to get you ready for the weekend in fantasy, also get you ready for tonight in fantasy. And for those of you, remember, uh, I mean, it's it's too late now if you really honestly didn't do anything about it because there are other people in your league that probably did. But if you're watching this show and you're a novice fantasy football player and 75% of the country is, go to the run to your computer right now or your phone and pick up someone if you have anyone on Tennessee and Pittsburgh because we're not playing this week. We'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Reds and Braves are underway today as the Braves can close out their series against Cincinnati. And of course, the game went 13 innings yesterday. We'll see if the bats come alive today. Updates throughout here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. And of course, coming up later today, Scott Farrell going coast to coast with the latest on all of the action in Major League Baseball and a preview of tonight's Thursday night football game. Before we go forward, let's go back, take a look at our fantasy standouts from Wednesday night in the American League wildcard games. We'll start off with the Oakland A's. And go figure, the Oakland A's pitcher to get it done 
out of all of the pitchers that we talked about before the season is Chris Bassett. Seven innings pitched, five strikeouts, six hits, one earned run. The unpredictable nature of baseball rearing its head once again. Chris Bassett, Oakland A's ace in the in the postseason. There it is. Uh, Kyle Tucker, two more hits, two more RBIs. Where would Houston be without him this season? He was their shining light all year long offensively for them. Finally gets a chance to play, making the most of it there. Another rookie in Dylan Carlson, the key to the Cardinals win yesterday. Why? He got on base four times yesterday. Yadi Molina also had a good game. Two hits, two walks, two runs for him. Hunter Renfro had the big blast for Tampa Bay against Toronto. Once he hit his grand slam, the game was over, and the Rays ended up advancing. Giovanni Urshela, two hits, a home run, also a grand slam in that game. Scored two runs as well. Played great defense, by the way, to save the game, I thought, also. And poor Jose Ramirez, who may end up being the American League MVP, had two hits and three RBIs yesterday. So those of you who are playing the DFS slate, kind of a crowded slate. Interesting to still be able to play at this point, having 16 teams alive. If you used any of those players in your lineup, you ended up doing well. And thankfully, the Yankees ended up giving Giovanni Urshela a chance to play a couple of years ago. They had this young kid, Miguel Andujar, who we don't even talk about anymore. Urshela's been the guy both offensively and defensively. And after the game last night said it was the game of his life. That was one of the best game I ever played in my life. Uh, that was a great game, fighting all, all game. Uh, we got a couple of delays. We got like two delays, but the team always stayed in the positive uh, focus. Uh, everything, everybody with the same goal, and we, we made it. It's really uh, one of the nice stories of the Yankees because, Joe, last year it was Urshela, but it was also Mike Tauchman and Ford. And this year in particular, it's been more of Luke Voigt, but Urshela has now become the rock at third base for the Yankees. And two years ago, if you would have said, okay, you have Urshela, a backup, Miguel Andujar, a starter, and Duhar in our fantasy leagues was going, what, fifth round, sixth round in a lot of leagues? And, uh, and it looks like Andujar is expendable for the Yankees at this point because Urshela has earned himself a spot. And my guess is this offseason, the Yankees will approach him with some sort of extension before he hits free agency. Yeah, hopefully Andujar will end up somewhere else. He'll get a shot somewhere else. But Urshela has definitely been a surprise for me because when you go back and look at the minor league track record, there's a guy with like a, a 700 OPS for his career in the minor leagues, and it wasn't a few games. It was many, many games. So it was a pretty good sample size where you thought, okay, this guy might be more glove than bat. But every now and then you see a player kind of take his game to the next level out of nowhere and then sustain it. The same could be said for Whit Merrifield, who is, you know, one of these guys that, you know, in 2019 had 200 hits and 100 runs scored, has been absolutely a fantasy force, and seemingly out of nowhere, a guy who made some adjustments in his game, made some adjustments in his swing, and the next thing you know, he's been able to become a star. And Urshela has been that guy as well. So it's it's great when these guys pop. It's great when these guys can develop at the major league level or improve somewhere in AAA into that major league level. And both of these guys are great stories of, hey, just because a guy has a good start out of nowhere some near, it doesn't mean you disregard them as, oh, it's going to end without a doubt. It's going to happen. It's going to get found out. And going back real quick to Chris Bassett, who we kind of were joking about at the top, Chris Bassett has been the rock of that rotation all season long. He might not be the most dazzling guy in terms of stats and strikeouts, But in terms of getting to the W, in terms of being a guy who can go out there and give you six good innings and get you a chance to win a ball game, that's been Chris Bassett all year long. So I'm not surprised that he went out there and was the Chris Bassett we saw for the last two months. Not surprised at all. Yeah, but nobody had Chris Bassett starting game one of a postseason series for Oakland going into the year. I mean, that that's just insanity. This guy was barely even cracking their rotation 
and well, you're starting uh, and Oakland. Too, wasn't he? Wasn't Lazardo yesterday? Uh, the day before. Yeah, but but he's he's the, he's the one going forward. You can rest assured if they get to a next series, he's their game one starter. And uh, and and they and their pitching was just their pitching was just a disappointment going to this this point of the season. I mean, scratching Manaya today and. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting Lazardo in Game One, it's, it's, they're they're up against it for sure as they move forward. Mm-hmm. But if they can get a win today, it doesn't matter, does it? Okay, over to the MLB uh, NL Wild Card Fantasy standouts. Trevor Bauer, wow, what a game for Trevor Bauer last night for nothing. Seven and two thirds, two hits, twelve strikeouts. Max Fried matched him in terms of the numbers as far as earned runs are concerned. Seven innings pitched, no earned runs there. Tyler Matzik came in relief, did a good job for them, and so did Iglesias for Cincinnati. They both pitched well. Uh, but no, nothing to show for any of those pitchers. Corey Dickerson hit a big home run for the Marlins when they were down one nothing off uh, Kyle Hendricks to propel them to the win, and Aguilar added a home run himself. And and a nice story for the Los Angeles Dodgers yesterday as Walker Buehler makes his start. He doesn't pitch particularly well, kind of got them through, struggled through a few innings, but got them to the point where they could bring in the bullpen, and they did. And Julio Urias looked fantastic yesterday, three innings pitched, Five strikeouts, three hits, didn't give up a run. It was a closer game maybe than some people thought. If you bet the Dodgers on the run line, you won that too. Got lucky on the 4-2 win there. But after the game, the starter was Walker Bueller, but certainly he was asked the question about Julio Urias essentially saving those middle innings for the Dodgers and becoming the winner of the game. People kind of forget how young Julio is and um, how talented he is, how you know impressive he was for, for so long and – um, you know, I think I, I, I love being around Julio and, and watching him and learning from him even. And, um, you know, he's young and he's younger than I am, but he's been here a lot longer than me. So, um, you know, we're glad to have him on our side for sure. And, and Urias is, is good enough to probably be the number four or number three starter on most teams, Joe. But on the Dodgers, as we saw, even when they parted with Ross Stripling, it's just really hard to crack that rotation. And they also have guys in the minors that are getting ready to come up too. But at some point, maybe they'll give Urias a chance to start. And I know, of course, they'll need more than three starters in the postseason for sure. But right now, them bringing him into the middle part of the game has really helped them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Urias is very young. And I think Walker Bueller is really uh, dropping some truth bombs there that we all as fantasy owners need to be reminded of because Urias is so young still. There's so much development still to come with this guy. And it would not surprise me in three or four years from now if we're talking about him as a guy starting game one of a playoff series. That's how good the potential is for this guy. This is a kid who is playing, you know, at 16, 17 years old against 19 and 20 year olds and then continuously always playing at least a year to three years behind the rest of the talent in wherever he was playing. And that just speaks to how good this kid was. And I don't think the Dodgers are rushing. I think they've been careful with him. And they've been careful enough that they put him in positions to be successful. And I think in terms of stocks go for young pitching, this is a guy in the next couple of years that could really kind of go up the ladder quickly. And we're going to take him for granted a little bit right now because we're familiar with him because he's been here and maybe because he hasn't been overwhelmingly dominant to start his career as we always want everybody to be at that exact moment where they come up. But realistically, there's still a whole lot of time left for this kid to become that kind of dominant force. And uh, to go circle back to Trevor Bauer real quick, that was an incredible outing from Bauer, who has been incredible all season long. I wouldn't count the Reds out just yet. I really wouldn't. I'd like to see them here take this to the third game, and I, I think they could potentially still win this series. We'll see what happens here. But for the Braves, if they don't get that offense going, 
Uh, it's going to be tough, man, because that was your best pitcher yesterday, and the rest of this pitching staff, for me, for Atlanta at least, is very suspect, Craig. I mean, they've been kind of suspect all year. Yeah, I mean, I like Ian Anderson a lot, but he hasn't had to pitch in a big game like this. So, you know, certainly we'll see what happens today. But, you know, on the other, on the flip side, Luis Castillo hasn't had a chance to pitch in a game like this either. So a game of really two young pitchers that will match up uh, as actually as it's going on right now. We'll keep you updated on the game. Looking forward to watching that game as well as the Miami Marlins taking on the Cubs at 2 o'clock Eastern. And then the Dodgers will try and close out the Brewers later today. We'll hear from Clayton Kershaw, who makes his first season start of 2020 coming up a little bit later in the show we got chris koski's got the news update here at the top of the hour the latest on the deal with the titans and pittsburgh steelers and then coming up next if you're in a fantasy football league looking to make a trade we have some targets for you also some players you could potentially trade away when fantasy sports today returns because we're back in just two minutes right here on fst stay on the grid craig and joe here with you up until two o'clock eastern talking fantasy sports and wagering don't go away SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As always, on Thursday, Andrew Erickson joins us on the show from Pro Football Focus. He is going to be with Joe in about 10 minutes from now, so stay tuned. All the latest in fantasy and some potential options this week for you, including the Dolphins' Miles Gaskin at running back against Seattle, Daryl Henderson of the Los Angeles Rams, and also touch on Alan Lazard of the Green Bay Packers. But before we get to those players, Joe, we got to talk about some players that could be acquirable by some fantasy owners in fantasy, and certainly we're at the stage of the season where – you may not know what your team is, but you got to make sure that you know what it can be going forward because uh, three weeks in and you got that record sitting in front of you, 3-0, and 0-3, 2-1, 1-2. It's certainly not the time to completely panic if you're 0-3 or feel really good about yourself if you're 3-0, and but that all changes after this week. The barometer essentially in fantasy in the regular season is four weeks. We only play 13 weeks of a regular season in most leagues. And so this is a critical week for people to decide what they're going to look like moving forward. Yeah, this week and the next two weeks, you're going to see a lot of trade activity start to pop. And rightfully so, because I think everybody has then a better sense of their roster and what the deficits are and the things that they had drafted that they were very high on, the things that they thought were going to happen may or may not have happened. And now you got to make adjustments because you don't want to wait forever, especially if you've gotten off to a bad start. If you're one in three after this week, then you've really got to take a hard look at those rosters. And there's two guys that aren't even on the next slides that we're going to talk about that I do want to mention because both of them theoretically are going to be back for week five. And I kind of wonder with some of these issues going on with some of these games getting moved around, if Le'Veon Bell and A.J. Brown might also be very interesting acquisitions. If you are a team that is off to a good start, if you are a team that you think you are going to be maybe 4-0 at the end of this week or even 3-1 and at the end of this week, I think taking a shot on Le'Veon Bell for some depth at running back I think taking a shot at A.J. Brown, both of which are supposed to be cleared to play in week five. We've gotten a lot of press about that in the last few days, but because the Jets had a Thursday game, Le'Veon Bell was not going to get cleared ahead of time, but everything points to him being ready in the fifth week of the season. And the same thing with A.J. Brown. There were a lot of thoughts that he might be able to come back and push it for this one, but what's worked for him is this postponement of this Titans game. So this is actually a positive. However, it's not a positive for the A.J. Brown owner because they've been without him all year long. And if you could flip a wide receiver or somebody who's really hot right now that you maybe don't believe in for a player the caliber of A.J. Brown, I would absolutely do that because if he comes back healthy week five, 
that's another guy that you can add and you can afford to wait on. Whereas the AJ Brown owner or the Lavian Brown owner, both of those people may not have that kind of a luxury. They are a little desperate for bodies right now. And I think you can absolutely go and pluck some of those guys off and make some trades and get them on your roster, especially if you've gotten off to a hot start. Yeah, my, my take on this on that is as follows. Uh, one out of two for me on that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell does make sense because, again, they play Thursday, and Bell now has gotten some good rest. The Jets have basically shown that they're going to gore or nothing. And if they want to get anything for Bell in a few weeks and try and trade him, they're going to want to play him. Uh, I personally um, would not try and acquire anyone on Tennessee until I know that they don't, they're not positive for COVID-19. I just wouldn't do it. I, I, I personally have seen this happen with two baseball teams and have played fantasy owning players that have been out with COVID. As of today, as we're doing this show here on Thursday, they had more players test positive, more staff members test positive. And any player that tests positive on Tennessee is out two weeks. So until I get a clearance on that, I am out on all Tennessee Titans players. And I would tell you, I would take a shot on the flip and try moving those guys to anybody who was unsuspecting. That's That would be my take on it. I'll take your Derrick Henrys. I'll take your A.J. Browns. I'll take the chance because uh, especially if you're going to give them to me at a, at a good discount. And look, what you're saying is clearly not wrong. You are mitigating your risk, and I'm somebody who's going to take that risk. And I think this is a good conversation because this is what's going out there in a lot of leagues, and this is what's happening, and this is why we have these kind of discussions. So you can go out there and be armed to make the best decision you can. But for me, the fact that A.J. Brown hasn't been playing – is actually a positive. He's been around less practices. He's been around less guys. He's been around the facility, even potentially less getting treatments. So that's one of those guys that actually might be significantly better suited to not test positive because of the fact the last few weeks he hasn't been around anybody as much as some of the other players have. So that guy in particular, I'm willing to take a risk on. Craig is not, but he makes a lot of good points on the reasons you should be afraid of it as well. And with any trade, you're always taking on some kind of risk when a guy has an injury to begin with. Yeah, yeah, you are. I, I just, again, I just, I, I kind of went through this a little bit. It's not to say that a player couldn't come back in two weeks, but it's a, it's a guaranteed missing, I think, of two games. So anyone for me on Tennessee, I would hate to take that risk and and mm-hmm. find that out tomorrow or the next day. And so we'll just disagree on that one. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of players that Joe, you're looking to trade for, Ronald Jones of Tampa Bay at running back who certainly has had his issues with the Buccaneers, but maybe gets more back in the game plan. Juju Smith-Schuster of the Steelers, again, not playing this week, but perhaps for the future. And then Joe Mixon of Cincinnati, who maybe some owner is kind of sour on him. And and I'll tell you this, the other part that, and speaking of Mixon, and I don't know that someone's going to want to trade Mixon if they took him in the first round and want to get 80 cents on the dollar there. It, this, this is also another hard thing to quantify, talking about Tennessee as well, because if I didn't see Miami come out of their COVID and win all those games against Baltimore and sweep them four games in a row, my inclination would be to load up against teams playing against Tennessee the next few weeks, because if this gets worse, you're looking at a lot of players that aren't going to be playing for them, and you would think that puts them at a, at a, at a disadvantage to play, but... I'm not entirely sure that I can say that for sure, because at least in baseball, you had one team play better after they came out of it. Right. Maybe the Titans rally around that. Maybe they you know, say we're going to win as a team and take on that whole mantra. And you saw what happened in Miami. You saw what happened to St. Louis. They made it, too. But yeah, that would I'm be my The Cardinals look pretty good, too, coming out of the gate after COVID also, which we kind of uh, yeah. forget about so, a little bit. So my general inclination would be 
a very savvy owner would say, let me take a look and see who the Titans are playing. Because if this thing gets worse over the next few days, you're talking about maybe a whole offensive line or a whole defensive line not in there. It's very realistic for that to happen. If they even can play a week from Sunday, I'm not sure that they will. But if they can, I'd like to load up against them. But I'm not sure that that's the right tactic based on these you know, teams sort of rally together under these circumstances. So maybe that happens with them. Well, look, I think it depends on who the injuries are, where they are. Are they to the offensive line? Are they to the defensive line? I think where those injuries are are very important. I think that's more of a, a discussion to have in daily fantasy, too, where you can attack it. Because in a season long, it's very difficult to, oh, I want to acquire a bunch of guys who happen to be playing this team this week. I mean, it's only a one-off game, whereas baseball, you could say, oh, this this could drag on for you know two weeks because they, they play home-and-home home series, and they're going to play six games together, and that's a lot more. You can go off of it for the one-off of the, the single game in a season football. It's a little tougher but the reasoning for some of these names here that i have on this list number one is let's start with keenan allen and kind of work away from the bottom up keenan allen for me with tyrod taylor keenan allen with justin herbert i saw herbert make a throw last week in the end zone that i know tyrod taylor cannot make and that was very exciting and they were really forcing the ball there to Keenan Allen, and they seem to have a good rapport. And I don't know if that's going to be exactly the same as it was with Tyrod Taylor. And it's a real question mark and something we all have to ask ourselves. And if this keeps going back and forth, potentially, that's also something we have to ask ourselves. Do we want to get involved in this? Uh, in terms of Jarvis, uh, excuse me, in terms of a Juju Smith-Schuster, that's a guy that I believe that, you know, Juju is a, is an a, a absolute one wide receiver one. And anybody who doesn't think that still, I think, is just wrong at this point. But I think there's a little frustration here because he might not have the DeAndre Hopkins kind of numbers, and he's going to be missing this week. So I think that kind of puts some teams in a bad spot where you might be able to acquire a really quality player if you are up in the standings. And the last one being Ronald Jones with Fournette potentially injured this week and not being able to uh, carry the rock. All of a sudden, Ronald Jones gets another opportunity to that backfield by himself. And that is something that absolutely is worth targeting, worth understanding, at least for the next few weeks. And I got to be honest with you, you know, we knew going into that Denver game, it was going to be kind of a mixed bag between those two guys. And Fournette didn't necessarily look great in that one. So I, I think Ronald Jones right now is intriguing because the stock yet again is down. And I think when you're looking forward, you're saying, okay, if I'm going to put money on one of these guys right now going forward, both of the stocks are down. Maybe the younger Ronald Jones is the way to go and just see, or even better, if you're a Fournette owner, this might be that opportunity to go out there and get Ronald Jones and just finally say, hey, look, let me take control of this running back situation. Let me take control of this backfield completely. And I think that's a wise thing to do because if there is an injury to one of them, it makes it a lot easier to set your lineup going forward. And let's take a look at some of the players to potentially trade away. And we already discussed Keenan Allen of the Chargers. Their quarterback situation seems to be a little bit in flux at the moment. Odell Beckham Jr. on Cleveland, I, I, still, I still think can be great if they can get him in the right spot. But he and Baker Mayfield just have nothing going. Uh, Jarvis Landry the same. They're just running the ball so much. It's really hard to envision big years from them. And and you mentioned Keenan Allen. I, I just don't know at this stage, Joe, dangling these names out like Beckham and Landry. Like who, mm -hmm. who is jumping to grab these guys from you? I, I will tell you, they have a, a fascinating matchup against the Cowboys this week who have just given up a ton of points and a ton of yards to everybody. And it would not shock me if both of these guys this week or at least one of them had a pretty good game. And that's despite all of Baker Mayfield's continuing shortcomings. So I'm not saying you can trade them right now. But I'm saying if you have them, everything you're saying is correct. 
So if you have them and they have a great week, don't be fooled by that. This might be the week where they have a good game against the Cowboys. You could possibly flip them, turn it around, and actually finally move on from Odell and move on from Landry. That, to me, is what's intriguing with these two names here. It's not to trade them right now. It's to keep them on the radar. If they have a good weekend against the Cowboys, as many offenses have had, even offenses that have their shortcomings, this might be your window to get out from everything that you're talking about, which is they are a run first team. And it looks like Kareem Hunt, by the way, I just saw the notification there that it looks like he's moving closer and the groin injury is not that serious. It looks like he is going to play this weekend. So we'll see how he gets involved in that passing game as well, because chances are he's going to. Yeah, I didn't even know that he was hurt. I watched that game start to finish last week, Cleveland and Washington. I didn't even leave the game at all all right uh coming up next andrew erickson is going to join us here on the show and we'll go through some potential options for you the guys break down players like nobody else can make sure you stay tuned it's fantasy sports today coming up andrew erickson and joe uh also as well we'll do some fantasy trivia talk about some tight end fantasy you're gonna be shocked who has the most targets in the red zone this year don't go away SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And it's that time again to do a little past, present, and future with our bestest friend from PFF, the one, the only Andrew Erickson. Andrew, welcome back, my friend. I hope it was a good week three for you, but here we are in week four, already a lot of drama, some COVID tests, a couple things in between, but we are here regardless to help the people. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It's week four. You have got, you got some teams that are 0-3, 1-2. People are freaking out. It's all about sell high, buy low. Absolutely love it. All right. Well, yesterday on the show, we had a little uh, a little trivia And we were talking about actually the Green Bay Packers being the team that actually is leading the league in scoring right now, which is kind of funny. You would think it's the Seahawks, maybe Buffalo, maybe even Dallas, but it's the Green Bay Packers. And I'm going to ask you a question here because uh, it seems like Al Lazard has really found a groove here going forward with Aaron Rodgers, even with or without Devontae Adams. Is Lazard a guy after last week and the first few weeks of the season that we can now kind of believe in going forward that we think Lazard has established himself at the very least as the second passing option in this offense? I think so. I mean, we've been down the road before with MVS, and I know that if you watch the film, you look at the game, they took MVS away, and that obviously made it a lot easier for Lazard. But, you know, good players find ways to, you know, beat that type of coverage. And, MVS just hasn't shown us any type of consistency, whereas Lazard has continuously showed us that he is Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy, whether Javante Adams is playing or not. He's someone that he can always go to. He lines up in the slot. He's lined up all over the field, and he's someone that Rodgers is continuously looking towards, and they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. So, again, you have a teed-up shootout coming on the next Sunday night. So, I mean, it's a layup, honestly, with Lyle Lazard. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think it looks really good. He was a guy I was taking tons of shares of in like the 13th, the 14th round. You got to take those free wide receivers with good quarterbacks and just keep your fingers crossed. Now, a young 
wide receiver who had quite a huge week three and has now been the waiver wire darling this week is Justin Jefferson. And I got to admit, I actually was high on Jefferson coming into this year. First two weeks, eh, not so great. Third week explosion. And, and it's starting to remind me a little bit of like rookie Calvin Ridley, where you have some big moments and then it kind of falls apart and you go, okay. And then it's a big moment and then it goes away. Is the roller coaster what we're in tune for this year when it comes to Jefferson as well? Or do you think that he might be able to carve out more of a, a Stefan Diggs niche here going forward in this offense? Yeah, I think that he can definitely kind of fill into that role. But again, ask anybody who owned Stefan Diggs last year and right? they'll say, thing. hey, I had a ton of inconsistent production. He was a fringy wide receiver, too. Again, he gave you boom weeks and. You know, you're not necessarily playing Justin Jefferson as always oh, my locked in my wide receiver one. You know, we play these fringy wide receiver threes. I mean, I, I, I want to play in leagues where you have to start two wide receivers because that's what <laughs> I feel the best about where when you have to now enter that third receiver. You enter this this territory, this this factory of sadness, which is just these boom bust guys. It's it's really tough to nail down that wide receiver three position. So, again, Jefferson's at least shown the upside. But again, you know, Thielen had a bad game and. Mm-hmm. I can't just sue. Okay, well now Jefferson's always going to have all the targets. You know, Thielen's still there. So in good matchups, yes, you're going to want to play Jefferson, but you have to expect this team is not. If it, the team gets its way, it's going to run the football. So that's one issue. But I do like the upcoming schedule a lot. You have the Seahawks, you have the Falcons, you have the Texans. So a lot of really good matchups that project. Hey, the Vikings are going to have to throw. So I think right now is definitely the time to get him. And then maybe you decide to sell off. You know, when the matchups start to get a little bit tougher. Now, I, I got to ask you, uh, when you were in high school and you were an emo kid, was Factory of Sadness your favorite band? Be honest. Tell the truth here on the program. We're on TV. Everybody wants to know. Everybody loves Factory of Sadness. Deep down, they don't talk about it. It's a guilty pleasure band, right? Oh, yeah. You know, when I when I wasn't listening to Creed, I would always listen to that. <laughs> Oh, God. I wonder what that guy's doing right <laughs> now. Uh, all right, let's let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns here because uh, they've been running the ball, running the ball, and then running the ball some more. And it seems like the only time things kind of go off kilter is when Baker Mayfield decides to sit in the pocket and be reckless with the football. So I guess I'm going to ask this question here. Off of what we've seen now for the first three weeks with the Cleveland Browns, do you think they are just going to continue to pound the rock Kareem Hunt's been very good. We all know Chubb's been outstanding as well. There's been some moments there where Landry and Odell have been useful. But really, this is a team about running the football. At this point, do you downgrade the rest of the pieces like Landry and Odell and Baker Mayfield going forward, despite the fact that there are some play-action moments there where these guys are getting involved? Doesn't this just feel like a run-heavy attack at this point going forward? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, we see these offenses every once in a while where they can produce basically two, you know, startable running backs, and it's not based on matchup. Mm-hmm. It's solely based on, hey, these guys are both getting tons of volume. And I think that kind of suppresses both of their value. You know, you look at them and you think, oh, well, he's not the starting running back or he's spending time. So they both have kind of a negative perception. But when you just break it down by, you know, total touches and carries, they're both kind of seeing, you know, that RB1 work, that workload. So I think that both players are potential buys. And actually, it came up earlier today that Kareem Hunt is dealing with an injury where mm-hmm. he's been labeled day to day. And honestly, anytime things are always labeled day to day, it usually means week to week. And then vice versa week to week usually means like we're talking about like a month or so. So I think that's something to kind of keep aware of. If someone's not paying attention, maybe you go get Nick Chubb because, again, people are going to be trying to capitalize on, oh, Chubb's big day. But Cream Hunt's still involved. And again, I mean, if if there's no Cream Hunt, 
then it's going to be all Nick Chubb and the Cowboys. And in that matchup against the Cowboys, I mean, he's going to be able to run all over them. Yeah, uh, look, if, if there's no Kareem Hunt or a lesser version of Kareem Hunt, I'm 100% with you. So that's a little past from week three. Let's talk about a little present because it feels like Miles Gaskin was uh, obviously going to be a guy who was very much added in a lot of leagues this week. And I think rightfully so. I was very impressed with what I saw out of Gaskin. He looked really good bouncing the ball to the outside in that game on Thursday night. He's going to be well rested coming into this contest. It's a good matchup this week. I feel like he should be getting some touches down by the goal line. I mean, I saw enough Jordan Howard in that game to not be impressed. And I think Matt Brito was a good theoretical pick this year, but it's not working out. It feels like Gaskin is the guy. Are you getting that feeling as well? Yeah, and this was something I, I tweeted out earlier about an article that I wrote where basically I looked at Miles Gaskin and he was actually seeing a lot of opportunities inside the 10 yard line. So he had four carries inside the 10 yard line, which was the third most on the week. And again, Jordan Howard was still involved. So Jordan Howard leads the NFL right. and carries inside the five yard line. But just to see that, hey, Gaskins is getting a little bit closer. And I mean, I have to imagine a team that's, you know, more or less in a rebuilding mode. They have this interesting running back. They're obviously not afraid to feed him at other parts of the field, they're feeding him as a receiver. They're not using Matt Breida. I mean, to just to kind of just subject the guy like, hey, like you're the goal line. You're the goal line guy. That's <laughs> all you do is just score touchdowns. I mean, eventually, maybe they'll get kind of tired of doing that and, and basically be like, hey, you know, we're going to give it to Gask and we're going to see what this kid's got. And I, I believe in Brian Flores as a coach. I least try to buy into these offensive players on on good coaching teams. Again, you know, we don't need to talk about the other, the vice versa of that ad case. Um, but uh, but he is the yeah. versa, my friend, he is the he's the grand versa in that discussion. But yeah, I mean, he's just getting insane usage. He had 22 carries last week. He's super involved in the passing game. I mean, he's he's getting a workload of a three down workhorse back and mm -hmm. he was free off the wave wire. Yeah, doesn't get much better than that. All right, now let's talk about another guy who was on the waiver wire not that long ago. And let's do a little future here. Daryl Henderson looked real good last two weeks. We know Malcolm Brown was the guy week one. Henderson the last two weeks has been incredibly efficient with the football. It was a tough matchup against Buffalo. He was very good in that one. Is this the meritocracy? Is this the Daryl Henderson's the hot hand? We're just riding this guy for now. Do you see Cam Akers getting healthy, working his way back in? I know I'm kind of putting you a tough spot here because it's a little crystal ball-y where you got to start looking a little deeper into things. But in your opinion, did you see enough from Daryl Henderson the last two weeks to think that going forward, it's going to be his backfield to basically lose? Yeah, and it sucks to, to to provide analysis where you're just like, oh, well, I'm just going to chase off to the next best thing and whoever's like doing the best. But in this case, I mean, you know, you you, you have to remember that, you know, we had a short off season. So, mm -hmm. again, Cam Akers was involved then, but now he's missing more time. And I mean, if you're Sean McVay, you know, Daryl Henderson's a guy you still set a second round pick on. He still traded up for him. And again, you know, you went after Akers, but. Ultimately, I think teams need to figure out, hey, I spent two second round picks on running backs and I got one that worked. So no, <laughs> who cares which one it was like ultimately at the end of the day, it just take the guy that's actually playing well and use him. Like it doesn't matter what you thought before. This is the present. This is now you're looking ahead. And Daryl Henderson, I mean, he's clearly so much better than Malcolm Brown, even though they split the carries 50, or they split the snaps 50 50. But I mean, it was 20 carries versus seven. Right. Henderson just has so much more juice. Than yep. Brown does. And to see that Henderson got those touches near the goal line and Malcolm Brown was nowhere to be found near in carries. It just I think that's great. I think it just makes it easier for everyone in fantasy that Malcolm Brown is irrelevant. Again, 
I would expect Cam Akers to have some role coming when he comes back. But again, you know, they did invest a lot in him. And if he's dealing with mm-hmm. rib injuries, you know, that's not something you want to be like, hey, go bash your body into these other guys. You know, it's not exactly a good idea, especially when Henderson is just is just playing so well. And again, the Rams are running the ball the most in the league. So right. even if Akers does come back in, it's OK. Well, there's still enough for Henderson to be a productive running back. Yeah, and, and I would also imagine, too, a lot of people keep pointing to, well, look at last year, if he was so good, why didn't he run away with it? And my answer to that is very simple. It's because of the money you were paying to Todd Gurley. I think there was pressure from the organization to get him on the field and get him touches because of what he was costing, basically. And unfortunately, I think it ended up costing them a lot of wins when we look back on it and see what's going on. Speaking of Gurley, going forward, his schedule starts to get a little bit better. He did have 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown this week. Do you think this is the time to kind of low-key buy on him as the schedule improves for the Atlanta Falcons going forward? Or is he just done, in your opinion, and Brian Hill's going to start eating away and eating away slowly over the second half? Yeah, I'm done with Todd Gurley. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of him. Basically, you've had the best two-case scenarios. He's playing on one of the best offenses in the lead, and they've had huge leads over these teams, and that would be prime-time Todd Gurley to just eat clock and run the ball out. And he's not doing that either. They don't mm-hmm. trust him to do it. And so we're going to see these, the Falcons are going to now not always be winning in games. They're going to fall behind. And what I've seen so far, basically what three catches and in, in three games, right? He's not being involved in the past. No, he's so, not. So, so there's just a lot of issues with game script scenario where it's hard to tell, Oh, this is going to be a Todd Gurley game. It's like, I don't even know what that is. All he <laughs> Like, I don't know what that is anymore. And it's just it's just Brian Hills looked really more. Brian Hills look more explosive. They've talked about him in the offseason as a guy that they liked. And they talked about how he was someone that they should have, you know, given a chance to be be the starting running back. So, I mean, Gurley's there. And I think that he's done enough where you can still trade him. But I think long term, I mean, especially a guy that's had some injury history, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not confident that Todd Gurley is going to be, you know, a staple in my fantasy football lineup come week 15. All right. One more for you before we get you out of here uh, with Las Vegas, having some injuries here with rugs and some other play that obviously been lackluster in the wide receiving group. There is Hunter Renfro kind of the sneaky ad this week for people to look at because certainly Buffalo struggles against slot wide receivers so far to start the year. Is he a guy that could actually show up in a PPR this week or in DFS and actually be more useful than people realize? Yeah, I think so. I think you nailed it. The The slot has been the Bills kind of uh, bugaboo, their Achilles heel. And it wasn't just the slot receivers. It was, you know, Mike Gusecki one week, you know, right. kind of profiles as a slot receiver that only plays tight end. So it doesn't always sh- it doesn't like show up in the fantasy points against necessarily because he plays a different position. But again, anyone that's lined up in the slot has had a lot of success against the Bills. Hunter Renfro has uh, obviously owned that position there. And we've seen him step up in the past. So I don't mind buying into these guys where, you know, we talked about Lazard. You know, Renfro, he stepped up last year when guys got hurt. Or even guys like Greg Ward or Zach Pascal. You know, we've seen these guys perform. You know, they're not household names. But last year, all they did was put up numbers when other guys went down that, you know, were more talented. But these are the guys that, you know, that don't get hurt and are durable. Mm-hmm. So they, they yeah. get to play. And, and they've all kind of produced in their own ways and have all been serviceable options. All right. Real quick. T. Higgins, one off or emerging young star? Um, T. Higgins is probably going to outscore A.J. Green for the rest of the year. Oh, there you go. Finishing strong, my boy. You can follow him on Twitter for hot takes like that at Andrew Erickson underscore. But you can follow him also for all his great work at Pro Football Focus. So make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. Make sure you go read his articles and listen to him on SiriusXM Radio on the Fantasy Channel. Uh, 87 and you can uh, go talk to him and call him and uh, you know you can tell him all the great stories about T Higgins from the day we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today right here on sports grid 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports today with you here on SportsGrid. We'll update you at the top of the hour on the Reds and Atlanta Braves. And then I would have loved to give you some updates uh, coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern on the Marlins and Chicago Cubs, but they have postponed that game. So no game today. They're going to play tomorrow, and uh, Miami can wrap it up. If they don't, they'll play Saturday at some point. My guess is it'll be Saturday night. So glad that I know my schedule is changing over the next couple of days, regardless of that. <laughs> some fantasy here and some fantasy football and, and talk about red zone targets for tight ends. Joe, we got a little fantasy trivia to close out the hour. That's right. Uh, we're going to give you a chance at redemption. Yesterday you came close, but uh, you didn't get the order right of uh, the guys who uh, the teams, I should say, that are leading the league in scoring. But uh, this uh, this might be easier for you. I have a good feeling that you're going to do well on this one. So red zone yeah. targets are really important when it comes to tight ends. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for catching touchdowns because that makes you a tight end one if you do. So, uh, so yes. So let's get after it. Here are the names uh, that you can choose from. Who is leading the league so far after three weeks with the most red zone targets? Is it A, Mike Kosicki of the Miami Dolphins? Is it B, Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens? Or C, Jimmy Graham of the Chicago Bears? There's no way it's Jimmy Graham, is it? Please do not tell me it is Jimmy Graham. I'll lose Jimmy all Graham faith is, in any. Jimmy Graham is number <clears throat> two with seven. And he, has, and he, has, and he has the most touchdowns. He has four. He has four touchdowns. That I know. The targets is not something that I would have forced. Seven. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Gusecki. That is correct. Well done, sir. He has got eight. Now, he's only caught two of the eight, though, which is a fun fact. However, both of those receptions have been touchdowns. So he's been very efficient and uh, loving the price for him on FanDuel this week. So good job. See, I knew you'd redeem yourself there. All right. Well, I'm glad that I did. And we'll see if we can coming up in the second hour of the show, because we got plenty to get to here. Updates on the Miami Heat and some of their injuries. Also updates on the Major League Baseball games and previews of the games coming up a little bit later. So make sure you stay tuned and stay on. We got you till 2 o'clock Eastern. Craig Miss, Joe Pichapia. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Stay on the grid. You'll be rewarded. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.